Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today, we are deep diving into a book called F the Shids, Do the Wants, which was written by my guest, Trisha Huffman. Trisha, who has also been dubbed your joyologist, such a fun title, is a rock and roll roadie at heart. One interesting part of Trisha's story, which we'll get into a little bit, is that in a past life, she toured as a sound engineer with many Grammy-winning musicians who were at the top of their game. And she realized in that journey that even some of those people who we all put on a pedestal as having it all struggled with feeling unfulfilled. Trisha's made some powerful transitions in her life. And today she's a speaker, author, and podcast host. And she still works directly with many people in the public eye. She says she helps keep them locked into deep inner confidence and trust and lit up about who they are and what they're doing. And this felt really aligned with my mission at Electric Ideas, because whether you're a rock star or just kind of an everyday person trying to do her best, this conversation was such a powerful reminder that we always have more choice than we give ourselves credit for. Sometimes we get stuck in this mode as if we're actors and we're just ambling through rehearsed lines that someone else assigned us. But Trisha's story will help remind you that we get to be the writers and the directors and the stars in this production that is our own life. And I totally get if that feels a little bit cheesy, but honestly, in talking to Trisha, she is refreshingly direct and has zero desire to sugarcoat. And having faced some turbulent times in her life, here's what she says. F the shoulds and own who you are, because this is your life and it could all end tomorrow. Okay, we're going to get into all of it, but I have a few quick updates before we jump into the conversation. First, just a reminder that the Electric Ideas podcast is officially on a summer schedule now, which means until Labor Day, there will be a new episode every other week on Thursdays instead of every Thursday. This is actually the very first week of summer break for my two daughters who just wrapped up fourth and fifth grade. And I'm intentionally freeing up some more time this summer to hang out with them while they still kind of like me. With this every other week schedule, in case you need an extra boost, you can stay connected with me on Instagram at, at @whitneywoman. I also just kicked off a monthly newsletter. I created it because I thought it would be fun to just do a quick jolt of inspiration in your inbox each month. And my goal is for it to feel like good mail, like when you get a bunch of junk in the mailbox and then you see a handwritten card and you're like, ooh, and you're actually excited to open something. So if that sounds like something you want to be a part of, you can email me at Whitney at myelectricideas.com. Again, that's Whitney at myelectricideas.com, and I'll get you on the list. Okay, let's do this. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited because you are on what seems like a mission for so many people to remove the word should from our vocabulary. So let's start there. How did you begin on this journey? Well, I feel like it's a sort of two key points in my life 
that put me on this journey. One, from a very young age, I felt like I was in tune to like, what are we all doing here? Like, I remember being like young and being like, okay, you know, my best friend, like making the rules of we're doing this. We don't like Kim today. And I would be like, but I like Kim. So that doesn't make sense. But like, okay, like just being aware, but that didn't mean always sticking up for what I believe. Sometimes I did. I think that time I did choose to still play with Kim. But anyway, then as I got older, I realized this craving to be accepted. So if somebody would ask me a simple question like, oh, what music are you listening to right now? I would freeze for a minute and not just give an answer of what I was listening to or what I had just, you know, listened to. It would go through this lens of what is an answer that will make them think I'm cool, that will make them like me, that will make them approve of me. So I was like just constantly doing this filtering of what should I do, say, be, because I deeply craved to be accepted. And I was like, cool kid, fine, you know, on the soccer team, like good grades. It wasn't as if I was some outsider desperately like trying to get in, but I think it felt like that. And when I was 15, this all sort of like came to a head. I had a lot of physical health issues as well that were undiagnosed and that made I didn't sleep well and all sorts of things. So I, I thought about ending my life a lot. And one day I had this sort of meltdown about something very small, but it was a good thing because it did make me have this breakthrough. And I gave myself a couple of choices and one was, okay, you're either going to go through with this plan you have, or what if we try life a different way? And so I realized back then that I couldn't do anything about the physical pain, but I could do something about the mental pain I was causing myself every single day by making it so hard to exist because I was so concerned with what's the right answer, the best thing to do. Should I raise my hand or not? What does that mean about me? So I was like, what if I try living life, caring more about what I think and what I want than what other people think? So that at 15 set me off on a different path. And by the way, it wasn't easy and it still isn't to this day, but I commit to it every day that I chose to live my life, not just to be alive, but to live my life. And so constantly coming back to me, I didn't think I lived the life of shoulds and I followed my dream and I did things, you know, like people didn't believe in me and whatever. I didn't care. Like I really, really did live my life in a different way from that moment on. The second moment was my dad passed away suddenly, and that shook me up more than I ever could have expected. And I gave up my dream job at that time. I, well, I like left the funeral, went back on tour. I'd become a touring live sound engineer and I was touring with Grammy award-winning artists. I love my life. I traveled on my own when I wasn't on tour. It was amazing. Love what I do. But for some reason, my dad dying was like, I can't do this anymore. I think I realized I felt like I took great care of myself and that I was living this life that felt so amazing to me, but I saw everyone else, including the people I worked for who had it all, who were really living out their biggest dreams that they didn't still seem happy most of the time. And so I was like, what is the point? (laughs) So I knew I wanted to do something to shake people up to living their lives while they still had one or like to actually be alive in their life. And I didn't know what, so I gave up my entire life And I somehow got the message to give up the word should. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. That sounds super easy. And I committed to it. (laughs) And I was shocked at how 
much that word came out of my mouth and like lived in my thoughts and how I felt about myself as well. So what I realized is like, I was making the big life choices based on what I want, but really all of this daily stuff, which is it's big stuff, but based on like how I feel about myself, I was resorting to the shoulds. Like, what should I eat today? What should I wear? Oh, I should be thinner. I should be able to do a handstand and yoga by now. I've been doing yoga for 10 years. I should be out of bed by now. Oh, so-and-so needs me to help at an event this weekend, I should say yes, because I don't have any other plans. All of these things that are very like small, but like everything really was going through the filter of should. And so by paying attention to that one word, I was able to become super present of what I was thinking, saying, feeling, and doing at all times. And it was the biggest game changer. And that was over a decade ago. And I still, every single day, it's like what shows me everything. Wow, it's pretty amazing. First of all, I want to reflect back how interesting it is that it's kind of been a niggle in your backdrop since you were young, you know, just like, like this awareness percolating. It seems like it almost took some life experience to really articulate this (laughs) side of you that you were feeling. But I am just fascinated at how much power it gave back to you when you admitted that shoulds were still driving your life. Because sometimes, especially when you articulate in the book that you had, I really feel like you've had multiple dream jobs. And to be able to admit that you're still not happy in these quote dream scenarios, that can be tricky. So I know you mentioned briefly that you were a sound engineer touring with Grammy award winners. And then tell me if I'm wrong, but or if I'm not reflecting this right, but then you kind of had a shift and you actually created this very cool own role called a joyologist and you were back on tour in a totally different capacity. Tell everyone just a snippet about what you were doing then because I it's just very empowering that at that point you created your own role, <laughs> right? Yeah, so so that year that I ended up giving up doing sound and I didn't know what I was going to do next. Like I said, I just felt like I wanted to shake people up to like enjoying their lives and being who they were. So I quit the tour. I gave up the word should. So that was like in April, let's say. So nine months, maybe or whatever. Uh, So the rest of that year, I had no idea what I was doing and really gave myself that time and space to like figure it out. And I didn't have savings or anything. I got a 0% interest credit card. I was just like living as minimally as I can, but like gave myself that time and space. But I was like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I got certified as a teacher, yoga teacher during that time and got into a lot of things. So what I ended up doing was going back to the world that I knew. So I started with that same world that I knew. So I made up a job back on tour. Like I said, I had seen that even these people who are living their biggest dream, like life is not easy for these people. And I know we want to be like, oh, poor them. They probably have millions of dollars and stuff like that. But in many ways, I've seen over and over and again that like when you your dreams do come true when you, when you do have a level of success and accolades and many times your life can get harder. And also that living your dreams is hard work. That's a direct quote from <laughs> someone who I did to more than like what Jason Mraz is in one of it. It's that's now in one of his newest songs on the new album is like living your dream is hard work, but come on and try it. You might like it. I think is how he then goes. So I went back on tour and created this role that I'm going to take care of the artist specifically, but also other members of the tour so that they can actually be enjoying the dream life that they've created for themselves. Because 
sure, they want to sing their songs and they want it to connect with people, but there's also a lot that goes along with it. It's an, an exhausting and you're traveling all the time. And then there's all these interviews and press and the meet and greets. And like, as much as they want to meet their fans, it's a lot. It is a lot. And like so many requests and the managers and agents who are looking out for you also like, well, yeah, you can do this and we can do this and like say yes to this. So I worked with these people to keep them healthy in body and mind and also like help them set boundaries and remind them why they were doing the things. And like, great, maybe you don't like giving a million interviews. You don't have to say yes to every single one. First of all, do you realize that? And then also, can you see how these interviews serve you? And like, you know, do you realize that they might be frustrating for you to answer the same questions over and over, but think of your fans that are like, get to hear you talk to those people and like how that does that and how you're actually connecting with fans by doing this. So like giving them different ways to see things so that they, again, were enjoying what they were doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they felt great about their choices. So one of Jason actually retitled me, like they gave me the title of joyologist too. somebody on that tour. Like I created the role and that. And then Jason later called me his manager of integrity. (laughs) Interesting. Well, I love that you got named the joyologist and then now you shifted again and you're an author and more, much more. I just want to understand what role the word should, did or didn't play in this final move. Well, I mean... I loved touring. I love working with people in that way. I love the experiences of getting to be with people and travel the world. So I really, really loved touring, but I also knew that I wanted to be a mom. And so I knew that I was going to have to create a new pathway for myself at some point. And now I'm a mom and my kids are older and I'm like, oh yeah, I could go back on tour. Not as intensely as I did, but in my own rules. But yeah, to actually have be pregnant and have babies and to not be the star of the show, it wouldn't have really worked. So I had to make a big choice for myself. And that was in stopping that role and how I did it in creating. That's when I did start creating products and online courses for anyone to join and doing coaching and the podcast and all the things that come. So I don't know I mean, should plays a part in everything because it's really me feeling out and weighing out the best choices for me. Because a part of it was like, this is amazing. You love it. You should keep doing this because it's awesome. And honestly, I think a lot of those were more even to like, we get tied with what we're known as. And so that did become a part of my identity. And it's really cool. Even when I became a joyologist and I was back on tour and I would see people that I knew as a female sound engineer, which was super rare. So I became like Trisha, the super cool epic, badass, you know, female sound engineer. And when I back on tour, I really loved what I was doing as a joyologist, but in some ways it also was difficult too, because I was no longer that person controlling the sound on stage. I was this, you're a what? You know what I mean? Like, so all Mm. people didn't understand. And so I had to keep getting clear with what am I doing? Why am I doing this? So also stepping back from tour, it, in many ways, I'm giving up this amazing thing. And it did feel like a part of my identity. And so often we do feel we want to make this change, whether it's like, oh, I want to have kids. I want to start this new path. That really is something I want. And it's important to me, but also I do want this or we're afraid to leave a part of us behind. Or again, that's part of our identity, but we're never leaving that part behind. So it's like, sure, that might not be what I'm doing right now, but yeah, I'm this. I might not be actively a badass sound engineer, but like, I am that. I am that. It's not like we're leaving a part of ourselves behind. It's just like, we're sort of adding it in. It's so instead of being like, oh, I'm not that anymore. And when you're telling other people like, oh, you don't do that because other people get excited about what you're doing. And then you might, but you can't stay in something because other people (laughs) (laughs) think it's cool or even other people need that. 
when I left it, it was that tour cycle ended for someone, but I could have easily put myself out there for someone else. And people were so excited. Oh my gosh, you created a joyologist of this. You could do this, whatever. You should do all of these things. And they sounded good, but I had to keep coming back to myself and what felt like the best choice for me. And that's why I think too, like listening to your intuition and trusting yourself, listening to yourself. Like, I think that one of the hardest things for people to understand is that not always, but often it doesn't feel like this is the best choice ever and everything's lighting up. You know, it's really hard. I honestly think that a lot of times trusting ourselves, listening to our intuition, all of that stuff, it feels messy. It feels confusing. It's like you want to break down and cry and scream. <laughs> yeah, And <laughs> you know that that's the choice that you actually need to be making. But like, I think that some people are like, oh, I don't know. I can't know. And I listen to myself. It's because they think it's going to be like, there's this voice and everything else is voided out. And you're like, welcome to your intuition. I know the answers. Just listen to me. And they're like, I don't know. I'm disconnected <laughs> because you think it should look a certain way, what your intuition should be. And sometimes it does come off in those that. But honestly, I feel like more often than not, it's a messy feeling. Definitely messy. And it involves some bravery too, because sometimes totally. your intuition is telling you things that it's not the easiest answer or exactly what you're, it's almost like you're hoping not to hear what it says sometimes. You exactly. Know? That's why I'm saying people think it's hard because they're like, but I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's not like angels lighting the way, like it's this way. Come join us and everything's going to be easy. <laughs> so with you there. Oh my gosh. Okay. One thing you say in the book is this. You say, one thing I see over and over again about the word want and the idea of allowing ourselves to choose and live out our wants is the fear that it's selfish. People can feel confronted by the idea that they actually get to choose what they want. This idea of considering, choosing, and living by your own wants feels wrong to some, feels entitled to others, and may even feel impossible. So, Trisha, tell us, why is living our wants actually an act of generosity? I think this is so important because when we are making the choices that we want, and again, the choices that really feel best to us, who we are changes. And I'll, I'll give you like a very simple example. When my kids are off school on the weekends and it's just me and them, and we're going to go do, you know, go to go to the park or the birthday party or this or whatever. And if I, you know, it's so easy to go through, okay, I feed the kids this, whatever, rush out the door or whatever. If I don't make time for myself, then who I am with my kids, I'm sure I'm a loving mom, but yes, I'm much shorter. I snap at them. I'm more frustrated. If I make sure to be like, okay, we're not allowed to leave the house until mommy has 20 minutes of some sort of like movement. <laughs> so that's me doing what I want. It is like taking time away from my kids sometimes. Sometimes it's like slowing the thing down. But when I'm doing that, who I am with them and then people out in the world is different. I'm more present. I'm more mindful. I'm more lit up. I'm more joyful. The me that has made time for my wants 
my kids get a better example of me and not just them, like the person who might be like taking my order, the car that is trying to get through, like I am more patient, go ahead, go ahead. When I haven't done those things, when I'm not living by my wants, So that's like a small example. But again, if we're constantly just living in the shoulds, blah, blah, I can't do what I want this. We're usually living with so much tension, frustration, resentment, guilt with all that we're not aware of, but it's just living in it. But when you are making the choices that light you up, that make you feel good, it starts to like slowly, like my shoulders are dropping as I'm saying this, like they were building up when I was living the shoulds. So who you are is different in the world. You're a more generous person. You're more vibrant. You're more alive. And that affects not just the people in your actual life, but like I said, like who I am to people at the store. I'm like more kind and go ahead in this. Like, so it really affects everyone. And sometimes, like I said, that might mean though, yeah, you're taking time away from people. You don't say yes to every invitation you get. You're not always helping your friends, especially if you've always been someone that does things only for other people and doesn't prioritize yourself. There's some shifts and stuff and relationships might change some. That doesn't mean they're going to change always, but you're also then teaching other people, oh, I'm allowed to say no oh, wait, I can love that person and still do this. I can set boundaries and that. So some things do shift and change. And like I said, even with the example of the 20 minutes of the kid, I'm taking some times away from them, but it benefits in so many more ways. I couldn't agree more. I feel like it also, one thing that I was reflecting on is how much trust it builds. For example, in my life, I never make up an excuse why I can't do something. If I'm in, I'm trying to be in. And if I'm not... And I just say, I'm not up for that today. It's not like my friends fall off the face of the earth and ghost me. Every single time I've chosen to do that, I felt like a sense of relief. And they've been like, great, okay, totally get it. And more people do that to me now. And and I'm like, okay, yeah, thanks for letting me know. Because nobody wants to show up with that resentment. I have to be here. Oh, I didn't want to do this energy, right? Yeah, No, I love that you just brought that up because too, like that's something, the people pleasing tendencies of friends, like people, you know, we think, oh, if I do this because then I'm a good person, people love me. Like I do like giving. So you can be giving and also not say yes all the time. But one of my friends who I'm saying she's recovering, she's doing better, but people pleasing, like love this person, one of the most beloved people I know. So like that means then, one of the reasons she is most love with people is she's always been able, always saying yes. But what I realized is I no longer trusted her when she would like offer something to me or say yes to me or something. And I was like, I don't even know if she wants this. Does she even like me? Are we even <laughs> friends? Because I see how she has no boundaries and gives to everyone. And like, she's a great person, but also I also see how that affects her health always like getting over, like, you know, super sick and overwhelmed and then have to pull out. It's like, she doesn't know how to say no. So her body will just shut her down for like mm. weeks at a time or something. But like, I realized that, yeah. And, and and that's what people know about me. If I'm showing up to something, if I'm saying yes, then like, they know it's because I want to. And that's me in my life. It feels so good to live your life that way, that every single, everything that I buy, it's because like, I really wanted to. And I felt like I should everything that I do, everything that I'm volunteering for everything that I offer, like I'm fully there. I know why I'm doing it. And that I want to, even if it originally showed up as a should, you know, so that's too, sometimes it's not like you're never doing anything you should. Cause that people like can't wrap their head, head around that, but it's getting clear on why am I doing this? 
And then you see that that's your choice. And so you make that should into a want and you're coming to it from that energy. I'm showing up because I want to, because I Mm -hmm. chose to be here because I want to this, like I am saying yes to that end result. So like, yes, I want to do that. So that's even for me, like I use that when I need to do things I don't want to like cleaning or running errands. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I should do this. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I thought that in the book, you humanized it because I know that we both live in this world that can sometimes be a little bit on the toxic positivity side of like, YOLO, I'm not doing the dishes, you know? And if it's not an F, yes, it's a no. Like that is great, but not for everything in life. Right. And it's like, I definitely am with you. Like little, like the dishes are kind of my thing that I like really, it's just a task. I I really have to like put on music or do something. I liked your framework in the book. Maybe you can talk us through it just a little bit because I felt like you explained it in a way where you either repositioned it as a want or you didn't do it with a peaceful resolution. Because what I find, and this happens in my own life, and I just see it in my communities and my friends, is women just kind of like give it too much emotional swirl. And and that doesn't serve serve you either. So tell us about the dishes and how you might approach that if you were kind of like, oh, I should do these. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. It's not like everything in your life. You're like, woohoo, I want to do this. But seeing again that it's a choice. So when things come up to me, like I should do the dishes, that I'm never like excited to do the dishes. But taking that example, because again, when I took the word out of my vocabulary, then I was like, oh man, but now this really is a should. Like, wait, like, like, what do I do here? And I was like, I'm not about lying to myself either. Like, great, I'm just going to say I want to do the dishes and that's going to change it. So I asked myself, why do I feel I should? Or why would I want to? And why would I want to do the dishes? And then also, how will I feel once it's done is also a great motivator. So like, why should I do the dishes? Well, the dishes are dirty. The sink is full. I I do need to use these dishes again. <laughs> like, um, So I do need to wash it like a very like that is reasonable. Also, you know what? I want the kitchen to look clean. I do feel better when the kitchen is clean. So I do want to do the dishes. And then I also like approach everything from well, that's not a woohoo. I want to do this, but seeing like, right. Okay. I do want to do the dishes and I do want to do them right now. Then I would be like, yeah, what can I do this to make this be more enjoyable? Let me put a podcast on. That's my current dish thing is having TikTok on. Like that's my like, oh, this is fun. I get to watch TikTok videos. And I think that was a later edit too, to the book is Mm -hmm. that I went back and added, you know what? And sometimes I still don't always want to do the dishes. (laughs) And I realized that I had to overcome like a lot of shame about if you don't do the dishes, then you're lazy or something, or you're dirty, or you know, you're not a responsible person if you're gonna leave the dishes in the sink overnight. So there also was like this shame about it. So then okay, let me want to do the dishes, let me get self get in the mind frame. But then also coming at it, it's okay. Cause again, that's usually we're too worried about what other people think about us. It's like we're living in that shame of like this. I'm a bad person because I haven't done the dishes. I'm dirty. I'm irresponsible. Like, do I really believe that? No, but it's like the conditioning, you know, of even maybe how you grew up or what you see other people do. So we're afraid of being judged, but we're really like judging ourselves. Like, do I really think I'm a terrible person because I chose the dishes? So coming again, like, oh, I should do the dishes. Yeah, the dishes are dirty. Look at all the dishes. Great. Like, do I want to do the dishes right now? And like sometimes allowing myself to also say, I don't. You know what? 
I have lived most of my life that you should do the dishes after you use them immediately. And if not, by the end of the day, for sure. If you leave those dirty dishes in the sink, oh my gosh, you are a terrible, lazy person for the next day. And letting that be like, it's okay. You know what? I'm tired at the end of the day. I would rather be spending time with my kids or let me read a book or let me do something that feels better for my spirit. I have more energy in the morning. I'm going to do these later. Sometimes I'll even lead them to the next afternoon. So allowing myself to do the dishes at a time that actually feels good for me. And that has been a huge relief on such a small thing, but feeling like, really, do I really feel like I'm a horrible person because I'm leaving the dishes? Now I'm like, this is the best choice ever. Like, look at how much like time I'm conserving and water. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's an interesting thing of like my relationship with the dishes and what that meant about me. Yes. I mean, obviously, I think that's so common with so many women, though. There's these little things that are part of most of our everyday lives, but they really can show us bigger picture <laughs> what's going on. Another kind of parallel example that is sticking out to me from the book is you kind of get into a section where you talk about how people also should themselves and they're like, should have said that I shouldn't have done that. And they waste a lot of mental energy rethinking and criticizing themselves. I think the example was you sent an email and you're questioning it. And then you sent like maybe one, two or three more emails. <laughs> trying to clarify. So we all make mistakes. And I'm curious what your approach is there for not getting into that, like, I should have done that differently beat up mode. Yeah. The should haves are heavy. And again, that's a big shame thing. And I'm glad you brought it up too, because that was another part I think I do talk about in the book with the dishes. So because what can happen is I make that choice at night and I feel great about my choice to not do them. And then in the morning, I see the dishes and feel like I should have done the dishes. And then again, feel the guilt and shame spiral or I'm a terrible person. So it's like, wait, why did I make that choice last night? Right. I made that choice because I was prioritized that. So it's again, like letting myself off the hook and being aware of those should have feelings. The should haves really suck. And so seeing though, too, we know this, we know this, but yet we can still punish ourselves. That would already happened, already happened. Like, yeah, with those emails I sent, I read an email and reacted to it, wrote back something and then thought about it, wrote back, wrote back, wrote back. None of those emails, maybe the fourth email was finally like, if I had taken some time with it, what I'd written. So I was beating (laughs) myself up about this, but it already happened and it involved someone else too. So I was like, okay, what can I do about this? The first thing is meeting the awareness of this already happened. It's not happening now, right? So I can't change the past. But what you can do is like tend to yourself right now and a future version of yourself. So it's like, okay, how can I, you know, clear this up? I, whatever, it's in this person's court now, but I can also try from a different angle. Like, hey, being honest, I reacted quickly and I sent all of those emails take your time and get back to me. Like, let's get on. Cause the final email was like, can we talk about this on the phone? And I was like, what I wished I had said that first. And I wish I had taken more time with it. So it's like, okay, if it involves someone else, maybe you do want to like reach out and say one other thing. And a lot of it is like being honest about, "Mm, I reacted this way. Let's do this. But a lot of it again is clearing it up with ourselves. Cause even if that person's like, yeah, no problem. We could still be beating ourselves up. I can't believe you did that. They probably think I'm an idiot, blah, 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 blah. So for me, it's looking at, okay, helping me heal those feelings of shame and what already happened is setting myself the future self up. So it's like, what have I learned here? (laughs) I've learned 
when I get an email or a message that makes me reactive to take some time with it. Perhaps don't let yourself respond period for at least 20 minutes. If it's something where I really realize like this, that like a resolution is not going to come in writing, then immediately write back or not immediately, but take that time right back with like, Hey, let's talk about this on the phone so we can both hear each other out. So me going back in time and not in a punishing way was just like, all right, you're not happy with how that went. So if we could rewind this and replay it, what do I feel the best steps would have been? And so that really supported me and soothed me and then gave me steps for in the future to support myself. And again, it's like a lot of it is a like, just not feeling shame. Life happens. We are learning. We are growing. We are evolving. And I also talk about the forgiveness practice in the book too, which is simply like just saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you over and over again. And you can use that on yourself or other people. And it just like helps to disperse that buildup of energy. So you can let that melt away and then actually like, okay, how can I approach this? I want to circle back. We started talking about this a little bit at the top of the show, but tell us a little bit more about how you think living in kind of these made up should land territories prevents us from stepping into really our most joyful life. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up too, because I've been like realizing since the moment I started talking, when even I was talking about being 15 and I was like constantly looking for acceptance out, like I just was craving so deeply to be accepted. And so then it would be like, okay, what do I answer to this? And I think that that's still something as adults we're really striving for. And that I, again, will find myself overcoming too. And that's what the shoulds do. We're not really checking in with ourselves And what do we want and how do we feel and accepting ourselves? We are wanting other people to do that for us. And so what I realized back when I was 15, I so deeply wanted to be accepted, but yet I wasn't accepting myself. So I wasn't even giving anybody the real version of me to accept. I'm like, if I say I like this music, is that good? If I wear this, Mm -hmm. is that good? If I don't do this, if I try to like look around and fit in, is that good? And so, so often we're unconsciously doing this. We aren't listening to what we want or letting ourselves trust ourselves because we're trying to fit in so that other people can accept us, even fit in in a standout box, right? Like, I think sometimes we can stretch ourselves. So like, I don't care what you think, but it's because we are so afraid of not being accepted. So we can go the totally opposite extreme. And Mm -hmm. so something that I'm constantly reminding myself is that the acceptance that I'm searching for is my own. And so that is the constant should want, I am allowed. And that's one of the chapters I'm allowed because when I first swapped the word out, like should want, then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do this. And so like over and over and how freeing that feels that like, right, this is my life. I'm allowed to do it this way. I'm allowed to do things differently. I'm allowed to make this choice. I'm allowed to say no. It was so freeing and it continues to be, but also just knowing It's not, you make this one choice and that's it. This is still, I gave the word up. So I've had this mindfulness for over a decade and it's still something I have to overcome daily of realizing that I'm like, what would they want for me? What are people thinking? This fear of being judged and then coming back to myself. Wait, how does this feel to me? What do I want? And when you're coming from that place, it's just, life is just so much brighter and exciting. And there's so many possibities out there. And, and, and this is true, 
even when life is hard, terrible things happen in the world. Things are unfair. So I'm also very not like everything is going to be golden and easy peasy, but it's also while you're in these hard times, you're giving yourself this access to joy, to realizing you're alive today. How do I want to be moving through this? Absolutely. I love it. And I also, I guess I also just wanted to add that I think that we can contribute to the world in so much more beautiful ways sometimes when we give ourselves that space (laughs) to really do the things that we're excited about. And I found in my own life that creating that space has a lot to do with just peeling back the shoulds, you know? And I think that any woman who wanted to try this might be shocked if they just were like, okay, I'm just going to give this a week and just see where should bubbles up. I think it was just, just as an awareness tool to even start and question and start calling into question, like where you're shooting yourself. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I'll be I'm, like, I'm often even like, even if you can commit to one day, I'm like one day, I'm going to really tune in to how many times I think and say the word should or try to, cause you might not catch them all. Likely it's, I've worked with plenty of people and they like, I'm not going to say that. And then it's like, you know, you just said it, you know, you just said it. And I'm not trying to like shame. I'm just like, just realize like it's so deeply in your brain that you don't even realize you're saying it. So, so often you're defaulting to outsourcing your life choices and sort of that. And so, yeah, like even when real life stuff is happening and things are hard and you don't yet have all the things you want in life, because we can want things and doesn't mean they're going to happen. But still, just when you're living this way, there is so much more space for joy, for possibility, for just like feeling alive and like being grateful that you're here and just remembering that this is your life. You are living your life. It's not anybody else's. You don't have to follow anybody else's rules. Is there one piece of wisdom as we come to a close that we haven't touched on from the book that you'd really hope women walked away with after reading your book? Mm, there's so many. The, the thought that it really came up right when you said that, though, was about judgment and inner judgment. I think that's such a thing that stops us so much is that we're more worried about what other people think about us than what we think about us. And this is, you know, of course, even body image, right? I grew up in the 90s and the like, you know, so many diet fads and whatever diet culture, I mean, it's still present, but these days we have much more representation and it's not like you have to look a certain way. You should look a certain way, but how that, you know, like messed with my body image. And so some of these things are so deeply rooted in us. And one thing that I love to ask myself, is like when you've catch yourself, like, Oh, what are they going to think? Or, Oh, can I even wear this? Right? Like, Oh, well, this, I look too fat in this or blah, blah, blah. Like whatever, whatever's going to come. Like some, we do things like so silly, right? People, I don't do this anymore, but I remember like you go out to dinner with friends or something like that, and then worry about what you're going to order because what is everybody else ordering? Like, can I order a burger or fries? Cause what if everybody else is going to salad? Like these little things, right. That people can like, what should I order? Because what would, you know, and what is that going to mean about me? Are you going to go on a date and like, whatever, right. Like these little things that were like, what this is, it's like, what is that going to mean about me? So when you find yourself in this what are they going to think about me? The fear of judgment, or I'm not enough then to ask yourself, is that really what I want to believe? Cause some of the things are so deeply conditioned, you know, like when I look in the mirror and I want to be like, Oh, I can't wear this shirt because my arm looks too big. That's not flattering or whatever. 
that's a natural thing that still comes up in my mind. And then I'll be, no matter how much work I've done. And then just simply like, is that what I really want to believe that like, I can't wear this shirt because my arm has more fat on it than I would like. (laughs) This is perfect because as we come to the end of the show, I always end with a reflection and I'm going to run with that. Is that really what I want to believe? Because I I need your help triaging something real quick. Are you up for something? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I always end my show since I started day one. I always ask women the same question, each guest, and it's what's one question women should be asking themselves more And I've had this sense that I don't want to use the word should. And then I was like, well, obviously I can't ask Trisha should. (laughs) So I was just laughing to myself. And I was like, well, I'm just going to ask her because I've been wanting to switch it. But I I obviously have good intention with it. I'm not trying to like, but I've got to change it. And now I definitely have to change it because Trisha Huffman's spoken. So (laughs) what could I say? Because part of what you talk about in the book is just shifting words a a little bit. So I usually say what's one question women should be asking themselves more. So since we're not shitting ourselves, do you have any ideas? Oh yeah. That's funny. Cause yeah. And I even have a chapter when I'm like, oh yeah. Like when you're shitting on other people, like it's not like the worst thing in the world, but also like it could land differently. So that one yeah. is obviously that's not such a like, whatever. So what's the one question women should be asking themselves? How would you say that differently? What is one question you believe all women must ask themselves or something like that? Yeah. Or could, I mean, but that yeah, seems or, a little like, wishy-washy. You also could, like, or yeah. What question do you want all women to ask themselves? Like, mm. you know, or like you could just swap it out for want or what is one, yeah. What is one question you hope all women ask themselves? Um, I'm, I'm liking that. Okay. All right. We don't need to nail it, but you've given me some, some things to think about. All right. If you were standing in front of a million women, what question do you want them to ask themselves? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I definitely am committing to dropping the shit and I will circle back with you on where we land on that. <laughs> Thank you for your brainstorming support. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, Trisha, it's been so fun to connect. I know people are going to want to follow you and buy the book. So tell us a little bit more about where we can find you. I'm at yourjoyologist.com. I have trishahuffman.com. They're still the same site now. I'm most active on social media at underscore Trisha Huffman on Instagram and TikTok. But you can find me other places. And the book, you can order it from all your favorite booksellers or find it in most bookshops, not everywhere. Amazon, of course, but you can also go to F the shoulds do the once.com. And there's links to all different places. If you're international or whatever, it's on audible. It's in, it's in all the places. It's findable all the places. All right. We'll make sure to capture a link in show notes as well. So thank you very much for joining me today. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at WhitneyWoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.